What's up, guys? How we doing? Man, isn't church so good when God's in the room, huh? Gosh, thank you, Jesus, for your presence. We honor you. We thank you, Lord, that you're not dead. You're very much alive. You are not far. You're very much close, Lord. We thank you. We honor your name. You have the name above every other name, and it is our joy to exalt your name, Jesus. It is our joy to praise you, to remember all that you are and all that you've done. And we just love you. We thank you. Come and have your way in our hearts. Man, I want to, uh, sorry, amen. I, I kind of, you know, can we just stay in prayer? Do we have to say amen? Um, guys, uh, want to make a couple just sort of announcement, uh, announcements up here, and then we'll dive into the Word of God. My name's Chris Pletcher. If I haven't met you yet personally, I would love to. This is my wife, Arlena, and the lovely blue, what is that, a cardigan, or I mean, Okay, I don't, uh, Blazer, you're beautiful, babe. Um, we are the, the lead pastors here at Antioch Salt Lake, just moved here from Texas a couple months ago, been a part of the Antioch family for a really long time, and honestly, uh, you know, the snow this weekend up in the Wasatch just confirmed. There's like no place on earth we'd rather, rather be than right here, but um, God is good, and um, yeah, we're just a couple things before we dive in. Uh, you might be... Uh, might be here thinking, hey, I thought we were going to commission the houses, Ben and Liz's house. This was their commissioning Sunday. Um, They've been traveling, doing a lot of things. They were in World Mandate down in Texas last weekend, and they came back under the weather, sick, um, and we had to postpone their um, their commissioning. Okay, so we're going to take a moment and just bless the houses. We're going to pray supernatural healing and protection over their bodies, um, and we're going to just surround them and love them as a family, and uh, just kind of take a moment to do that, all right? So, Lord Jesus, we thank you for Ben and Liz. We pray right now your healing over them. We thank you, God, for their obedience to your heart and your call in their lives to go into the nations. And we thank you, God, that no weapon formed against them will prosper. Father, we thank you that every scheme the enemy intends for evil, you turn for good. So Lord, we don't view this as an interruption. We don't view this, God, as a stumbling block, but we say thank you, God, that you're always 10 steps ahead of the enemy. Jesus, you showed us that on the earth. You outsmarted him every time. And we thank you, God that you're working greater victories for the houses on their way into the nations. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, Matt Morley, are you here? Are you sitting out there? Come on. Hey, the newlyweds, come on, guys. Welcome back. Welcome back. Matt and Katie, Matt's our worship pastor. Him and Katie got married last weekend, and here they are serving at church on the tail end of their honeymoon. So, guys, glad to have you back. Love y'all. And um, hey, guys, if you have a Bible, flip to Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, okay? And, and uh, we're going to start our journey here tonight. Matthew 5, 17 through 20. You can look on the screen as well. The words of Jesus, he said, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great 
in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. I came to tell us tonight, church, that righteousness is the door into God's kingdom. That's a problem for all of us because we were born into unrighteousness, okay? But the good news of the new covenant is the good news of a much-needed heart surgery on the deepest level of your being. For those who repent, for those who believe and receive Jesus by faith, we experience a miraculous rebirth on a spiritual level, which removes the old heart of stone and gives us the new heart of a son. This new heart is key to your righteousness. It is key to obedience. And obedience gives us the keys of the kingdom of God, just like Jesus you know that Jesus was, in, was tempted in every way as we are, and yet he was without sin? I want to talk about obedience tonight. And I want to rescue obedience from being this sort of, uh, in our dirty word category, all right? A word that we use and we're like, oh, kind of cringy. You know, just raise your hand if obedience is one of your favorite words. Okay, my wife, she's, she's, she's got a revelation, okay? There's like four of y'all, okay? Raise your hand if obedience is kind of a cringy word for you. Like, oh, we're going to talk, you know, we're going to talk about submitting and obedience. And oh, man, I came to tell you tonight that disobedience eroded God's authority on the earth in the garden when Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They conceded the territory of the earth to God's enemy. So if disobedience eroded God's authority on the earth, then church, we need to rescue the word obedience out of our cringy category because I'm telling you, obedience gives you the keys to the kingdom of God and it advances his territory on planet earth. Church, So here's what I want you to do. I want you to make an agreement with me before I preach any further, okay? Because we are going to be talking about obeying Jesus. We are going to be talking about repentance tonight, okay? And so here's what I want you to agree with me, okay? I want you to agree with me right now. You can say amen after each of these statements, okay? I want you to agree with me that condemnation is from hell. Condemnation is from the devil. This house, there is no condemnation allowed here tonight. But correction comes from the heart of a good father. Correction is what happens in healthy relationship. And correction is welcomed in the house of God from a good father. Amen. And conviction is welcomed by the Holy Spirit. You know, that's part of the Holy Spirit's ministry is to convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. So if you agree with me tonight, just raise your hand and say, this is not a place tonight for condemnation, but this is a place for any correction that the Father wants to bring and any conviction that the Holy Spirit wants to bring. And that first and foremost, we come with confidence before you, Jesus, because you sit on a throne of grace. God. So I declare that the enemy is not welcome in this room tonight. Any way that he wants to twist my words or release condemnation or any of that here tonight, he's not welcome. Only the throne of grace on which Jesus sits is welcome. And we say, Father, teach us about obedience. 
Lord, teach us your righteousness that we might have the keys to see the kingdom of heaven advanced in our midst, just like your son Jesus. And everybody said, amen. I want to talk to you about the cost of disobedience, Genesis 3, 1 through 10. If you're there, if you want to flip there, you can. It's the very beginning front of your Bible. If you want to look on the screen, you can. I'm going to read these 10 verses in Genesis 3. It says, the serpent was more crafty. Somebody say crafty. Crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, whoo, this is a word right here. Did God actually say? You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave. Note those words, she took and she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. The saddest three verses in the Bible, in my opinion. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. The creator of heaven and earth was walking their way. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Church, we were created to walk with God on the earth. We were created to encounter God. We were created to find ourselves in fellowship, in communion and intimacy with God. Yet we quickly found ourselves hiding, afraid and ashamed. You see, sin destroys our intimacy, our security, and our purity. Sin destroys our intimacy, our security, and our purity. But in his love, God has been calling out to us from day one, where are you? And he has been unfolding a redemptive plan to find us. He entered into a series of covenants with mankind. Do I got any Bible students in the room? Do you love the word of God? I got any Old Testament Bible scholars in the room? Come on, it's okay. I don't, I don't mean you went to school. I just mean you love God's word and you've made your life in it. Okay, look, in the Old Testament, we see a series of covenants, promises that would lead mankind, shepherd mankind back to the garden, back to communion, back to security. Are you with me? Back to innocence and purity. The Old Testament story is the story of God's adopted people, Israel, interacting with him through these covenants, learning his heart, okay, discovering his holiness and his ways. But as time wore on, one thing became inarguably clear, 
the human heart was desperately sick, broken seemingly beyond repair, and incapable of truly submitting to God for very long. Old Testament in a nutshell right there, okay? Jeremiah summed it up in 17 verse 9. He says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Anybody encouraged by that verse? Anybody encouraged by that verse? Look, that is the most depressing and encouraging verse in the Bible right there, okay? It's, it's depressing because it's true, okay? It's encouraging because it's true, right? And you can find yourself right there in the middle and go, what is wrong with me, man? Like, wow, your heart is what was wrong with you before Jesus. And that is the summary, Jeremiah's summary of thousands of years of God coming after man with everything, coming after man with every bit of love and mercy and covenant promise, right? And man still not being able to obey. And so the prophets began to prophesy. They began to look into the future. They began to look into the future to the day of a new covenant. They began to look ahead and they began to speak about a day when a heart surgery would take place. Because how many of you know, if you have an incurably sick heart condition, an incurably sick heart condition, you don't need a better diet, you don't need more exercise, you don't need to move to a better climate like Salt Lake where you can get some fresh air in your lungs, no, no, no. If you have an incurably sick heart, you need a heart transplant, okay? So the prophets begin to look at mankind and say, wow, this heart is deceitful above all else. And knowing the redemptive heart of God, they began in the spirit of God to look ahead and prophesy a heart surgery the day of the new covenant, Ezekiel 36. Look at this. Therefore says, therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have actually profaned among the nations in your disobedience. I will vindicate my holiness, though, in my great name, which has been profaned among the nations and which you have profaned among them. The nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when I when through you I vindicate my holiness. How's God going to vindicate his holiness? Check it out. He says, I'm going to take you from the nations, my people. I'm going to gather you from the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. Here's the heart surgery, verse 26. Are y'all reading with me? I will give you a new heart, somebody say amen, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to what? Obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I give to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I 
will be your God. The prophets begin to look ahead. They begin to prophesy of a day when the Son of God would become the Son of Man and that the sons of men could become the sons of God. They begin to look ahead at Jesus who would come. The Scripture said that He became like His brothers in every respect. He took on flesh and blood and He became like us in every way except for disobedience. And he walked out on the earth where Adam failed. Jesus made a way. Do you understand that? That where Adam failed in paradise and conceded the territory of the earth to darkness, Jesus walked in darkness and succeeded in obedience. And in his obedience and in his righteousness, he took back the earth for God. He took back the keys for the kingdom of God from Satan so that he could hand them to you. And he made a way for your heart surgery. He made a way. Do you know when it says, I will give you a new heart. I will remove the heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. Check this out. That word flesh sometimes just means flesh. Okay. Sometimes, though, it's like, it's like when you look at your brother, all right, and, and your, your blood, like we share the same DNA, right? And you're like, you are you're bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes that word flesh means kindred. It means family. He's saying, I'm going to take out your heart of stone, and I'm going to give you the heart of my family. I'm going to make I'm going to take out the heart of your stone and I'm going to give you the heart of a son. Only through Jesus. You see grace made a way not for us to keep doing the same old messed up stuff we've always done. Grace made a way for us to obey. All right? Grace made a way for us to obey from the heart level. Look, before the gospel, before this heart surgery, man, all you could do was Better diet, more exercise. Hey, I know your heart is uncurably sick, okay? Better diet, more exercise. Maybe consider a different climate. Okay, look, all you could do before the new covenant, church, are you with me? It was religion, better diet, more exercise, more laws, more rules, and we got it all, and it didn't help our sick heart. But oh man, after Jesus walked on the earth, y'all, I wish somebody was excited about the cross and resurrection this Sunday afternoon because it is the only hope that you ever have for obeying God from your heart and not obeying God out of religious duty, which actually, by the way, he despises. He said, I will say it again, he said, the, the Pharisees, they love to exalt me with their words. Oh man, they're so religious. They love to exalt me with their words, but their heart is far from me. Jesus' death and resurrection, the new covenant gospel of a new heart is the only hope you ever have of obeying God from your heart. This is why Jesus, after his resurrection, gathered his disciples together. We call this the Great Commission, right? Familiar verse, Matthew 20, 18, right? 28, 18 through 20. He says, all authorities have been given in heaven on earth. So, sorry, all authority in heaven on earth have been given to me. So go and make disciples of all nations. Okay, what does it mean to make a disciple? He tells us, baptizing them in the name, the authority of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And check this out. 
teaching them to observe. Some translations say, obey all that I have commanded you. Okay, church, listen, we gotta rescue obedience from the cringy category. I don't know if you're there yet, okay? So I just wanna tell you again, okay? How did we concede God's territory, the earth? You know it belonged to him first. How did we concede it to darkness? Somebody tell me. Disobedience. How did Jesus come and get it back? Obedience. Can we rescue obedience? It is a redemptively beautiful word, you guys. It is at the heart. It is the keys to the kingdom of God. It is a beautiful thing to want to honor God. It is a beautiful thing to submit to him and say, yes, Lord, you are my Lord, and it is my joy to obey you. But you can never do that from a non-religious place unless a miracle has happened inside of your heart because your heart is so desperately sick and so desperately inwardly turned on your own self until the new covenant reality makes you born again. To observe means to guard, to keep, to hold fast. When he says, I want you to teach them to observe. You see, the essence of Christian discipleship, of discipleship to Jesus, is that we actually guard his teachings. We hold them fast. We delight in his words. You know, We cherish his wisdom. We find life in the commandments of God. Look, we don't parse his words and then decide which ones we like. We submit to his word because he's the Lord of life. There is no Christian discipleship without obedience. Paul in Romans 1 talks about the obedience of faith. I just want you to see it here um, in verse 4 and 5. You might have the whole, verse, the whole passage up there, but just look at verse 4 and 5. He says that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we've received grace and apostleship, I love this phrase, to bring about the obedience of faith. Do you know that obedience is a revolt against the kingdom of darkness? Obedience to God is a revolution against Satan. Some of us want to hoot and holler and, and yell against the darkness and, and, you know, get so angry about Satan, and then we just turn and disobey God. That makes no sense. Stop yelling about the darkness and submit your life and just obey God, because I promise you, when you obey God, you will see his kingdom advance and the darkness push back in your life. Obedience is a revolt against the kingdom of darkness. Guys, there is no kingdom without obedience to the king. But here, look, the good news of the gospel, this heart transplant. Look, I'm not standing up here trying to tell you, try harder. I'm not up here trying to, to remember, condemnation, go, okay? Correction, conviction, come. I'm, I'm not standing up here to say, try harder, Obey more. I'm standing up here to say, guys, the kingdom of God moves forward through obedience to God. Obedience to God is not possible apart from salvation in God and the new covenant. And so I want you to know tonight that the good news of the gospel is that you are free 
Sorry, let me say it like this. You can be free to obey God. You can be free to obey God. How many of you, somewhere in you, you've longed, like, man, God, I want to obey you. God, I want to honor you. God, I, I see what is right, and I want to do what is right. But, but sometimes you feel like it's so hard. Sometimes obedience feels like this burden. I'm telling you today, if obedience feels like this daily heavy burden, you might be stuck in the religious category with the Pharisees instead of in the new heart, new covenant gospel category where a miracle happened inside of you. Okay, because Jesus' yoke is easy and his burden is light and obedience to him is not supposed to be this heavy burdensome load. Now look, there are moments, I'm telling you, I, I understand, temptation can be intense, y'all. There are moments where the enemy comes at us because he wants, to, he wants us to forfeit, actually, our birthright in the kingdom. He wants us to, uh, to effectively neutralize our ability to move God's kingdom forward because we make a partnership with sin in our lives. He wants to, look, temptation is real and it's intense. I'm not saying that there's not going to be moments of intense temptation. I'm just saying that the good news of the gospel is that Jesus sets us free to obey. Romans 6, 16. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? Check this out, y'all. This is beautiful. But thanks be to God. This is somebody's testimony, man. This should be a lot of people's testimony in this room. Thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient. Where? Somebody say it. From the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, you become slaves of righteousness. Do you know that that is normal Christian life? That is normal Christian living. That is normal salvation in Jesus is that you're free from sin in your heart and you become a slave to righteousness. I'm not saying that you're not gonna have to fight some battles. I'm not saying that you're not gonna have to face some temptation, but I'm just saying the new covenant, the blood of Jesus bought you a new heart so that you could become obedient from the heart. And man, if you've never heard this gospel today, if you've never received this gospel, man, today's a good day for you because things are about to get so much easier for you, okay? Because if you've been fighting the religious game, trying to be good when you're just bad, I mean, can we be honest? Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is desperately sick. It's deceitful above all else. I'm telling you, if you've never heard the new covenant gospel, if you've never, through the blood of Jesus, received the heart of a son in exchange for the heart of stone, your life is so much harder right now. Salvation is a miracle. It's a miracle. It's a heart revolution. This is why that opening scripture I read, Jesus said, your righteousness has to surpass that of the scribes and Pharisees. What's he talking about there? 
I gotta be more righteous than the most like religious guy. I feel like we're going the wrong direction here, you know? Like, what do you mean, Jesus? And he, he's, because this is what he said time and time again. He kept preaching that sermon, actually. You guys are familiar with this. A lot of you have heard this. He would say to them, hey, look, you've heard it said. You guys ever heard this before? Jesus would say, you've heard it said. This was the way a rabbi would actually release the authority of his teaching in place of where an old teaching existed, okay? So there's this model. If you read the Sermon on the Mount, there's this model of Jesus where he would say, you heard it said, blank, but I say to you, and he would release a new revelation. This was Rabbi Jesus instilling his authority. Do you see what I'm saying? He said, you've heard it said, you shall not commit murder, right? But I say to you, if you have hatred in your heart for a brother, you're liable for hell. You see what I'm saying? Righteousness surpassing that of the scribes and Pharisees. Look, look, Jesus did not come to make it easier, he, to make the commandments less holy. He didn't come to make the laws less righteous, okay? Actually, if anything, he raised the bar and relocated righteousness from something you could just do on the outside. I mean, look, there's probably not many murderers in here, right? But I think that most of us, even in our flesh, like we can find enough self-control or at least just enough fear of punishment that we're not gonna murder somebody. But Jesus pushes that all the way to the heart level and says, if you have had hatred in your heart, you're guilty. Unless your righteousness surpasses. Do you see how Jesus raised the bar? He raised the bar. And then he made a way for you to actually do that. <laughs> that is the gospel. He relocated righteousness and obedience from this external thing to a heart level thing. And then he gave you a new heart so that you could actually obey. Do you see this? Freedom from the heart, obedience to God. Look, I, I know I'm laying it on heavy here. I just gotta share some of my own testimony, okay? Listen, guys, I'm only so crazy about this because I've seen this change my whole life, okay? My first 19 years of my life, listen, y'all, I didn't grow up around the church. I didn't grow up seeking God. I didn't grow up with much, much godly influence in my life at all. I grew up to, not to please God, but to please myself, okay? And you guys know how this goes in the world. Anybody grow up in the world? Anybody not grow up in the church, okay? Look, it was harder for you, bro. I know your story. Look, growing up in the church Praise God, that is a blessing. You grew up in a house that taught you the ways of a good God. I'm not saying it's perfect. You got your own issues, y'all, that grew up in church, okay? But if you grew up in the world, okay, you got a whole first half of my life till I was 20 years old, y'all. Sin does what? Kills our intimacy, kills our purity, okay? My life, by the time I was a freshman in college, I was shackled, y'all. I was a slave to pornography, I was a slave to drunkenness, and I was the, 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 the one that just put on the surface so that everybody wouldn't see me as a slave was my pride. 
I was such a slave. On the outside, I may look like some all-American kid, you know, some, you know, high school, Texas high school football player, you know, good top 10% of my class, you know, but you look in my eyes and you would just see the death of my soul. Full of shame, disconnected from God, posing so hard to make you think I was all right. I'm not sharing anybody else's testimony. Look, I had a come to Jesus moment my freshman year of college in my dorm room. And I had a moment where I decided, am I going to continue on the path that I have been on? Or am I going to turn to Jesus? And that is the essence of repentance. Do you know that repentance is not saying you're sorry? Repent, we've actually been talking about this a lot with our kids. Okay, I love my kids. They are incredible. I truly, truly cherish them. They're our reward. They're amazing. We have five kids. My oldest is eight. We've been moving all across the country. It's been crazy. They're tired. Okay, there's been a ton of grace, but it's been a little wild, all right, in our house. But we're talking about this with our kids, okay? Look, saying sorry is not repentance because you've been saying sorry all day long for the same thing, and you haven't turned, Stop telling me you're sorry, please, and turn away from the dishonor that you are speaking to your mother with, please. You know what I'm saying? Repentance means to turn. So I had a moment in my dorm room where I turned away from the path I was on into the path of Jesus and his righteousness. And guys, it began, you know that it's the kindness of God that leads you to repentance? There's no condemnation in this room, okay? Listen, it is the kindness of a good father that brings correction, okay? It's the kindness of a Holy Spirit that brings conviction, Okay, listen, it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. We talk about this with our kids too, okay? I say, buddy, what you just did was totally dishonoring and inappropriate the way you just talked to your mom. And so this is my kindness, and I'm inviting you, son, I love you, turn away from that. Turn away from that. Son, if you choose to ignore my kindness, we will go down to your room and I will, in my love, give you my discipline. Okay, listen. The kindness of the Lord comes first. Do you understand? The kindness of the Lord. Parents, we need to learn this in our parenting because it is actually right and biblical to bring your children up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord, okay? And Hebrews 12 says that the good father, he actually disciplines us in his love that we might what? It says that we might share in his holiness. Okay, listen, we have to learn holiness through the discipline of a good father. Okay, this is the journey of life. And if you're feeling, there's no condemnation in this room, okay, because we prayed it out of here. So if you're feeling something, it might be the discipline of a good father saying, hey, I want to correct an area of your life. Will you receive my kindness tonight? I'm inviting you to repent tonight. I'm inviting you to turn away from something tonight. This is my kindness saying that thing is killing you. It is killing your intimacy. It is killing your purity. It is killing your heart. Come, my son, my daughter, turn away. Turn away. Look, it is only when we ignore God's kindness, the scripture, the New Testament calls it hardening our heart. It is only when we plug up our ear 
to the Father's kindness, correction, to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It is only when we harden our hearts, Hebrews says, through the deceitfulness of sin, does the Lord in his love, when our hardness of heart will not receive his kindness, he will come with his discipline in love. The Father was disciplining my heart that night, calling me to himself, and I turned in my dorm room, and I have begun to experience the fruit of repentance, which is restoration. Can I tell you something really cool? Are y'all still with me? It's kind of quiet in here. I'm, I'm taking the quietness as God's doing something, okay? Are we good? The Hebrew word when I saw this just by happenstance in a word study, studying the the word of God one day, the Hebrew word for repentance and restoration, it's the same word. Do you know what? It is the same word. You know why? Because restoration of heart always follows true repentance when we turn away from something. And look, there is no true restoration of heart without repentance. And there's no true repentance that won't lead to restoration. It's the same word. It's the same thing. And look, I want to tell you guys that I just want to share my testimony because some of y'all need to hear this. And I believe the Lord's highlighting one specific issue tonight in this conversation. But look, through obedience to God, through repentance, through leaning in in community, okay? The Bible calls it walking in the light. Worship team, go ahead and come up on up here if you will. Come on up, guys. We're going to start responding here in a minute. But listen, what I want you to know is through community, through obedience, through the Spirit of God, learning how to fight temptation, learning that the scripture said that I was meant to obey God from my heart and be free from sin. Guys, the grip of sexual immorality and pornography that absolutely shackled my being for the first 20 years of my life, it has not a chain on me today in Jesus' name. Not a chain. Not a chain. I'm not boasting. I'm boasting in the cross of Christ. I am boasting in the new covenant gospel that gave me a heart. And I'm telling you, God did something through obedience and through community, through his word and through his spirit. Yes, it was a journey. No, it did not happen overnight. But y'all, he set me free from sin to obey him from the heart. And I'm telling you, I am telling you, it is not a blip on my radar today. And I want some of you to have hope because some of you can't imagine living a life where sexual immorality and temptation is not a blip on your radar. Neither could I about 19 years ago, okay? But listen, this is the good news, you guys. This is the gospel. God wants to, come on, worship band, get in here with me. I just start playing something, all right? Because we're gonna start responding because this is good news. You already made an agreement that there's no condemnation in this room. So if you're feeling uncomfortable, it's because God is good, he loves you, and he's disciplining something in your life. So I want you to stand with me because we didn't come here to just talk about obedience tonight. We came here to step into obedience tonight because obedience gives you the keys to the kingdom. Look, I wanna tell you something. Obedience is key. Sorry. A new heart is key to obedience, and obedience is a key to the kingdom. 
okay? But we've gotta get the new heart. So look, if you've never heard this gospel before, if you've never had a heart transplant, look, I'm just gonna let you, I'm gonna make it easy. Keep your eyes open because this is the best news you're ever gonna hear, okay? Life's gonna get a whole lot easier when you get some new hardware inside of you. If you've never had your heart of stone removed and you're just languishing under the heavy burden of trying to obey God in your own strength, would you raise your hands tonight and just receive the heart of a son? Look, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. It is a step of faith. You're just saying, God, look, just do it right here. God, here's my heart of stone. God, give me the heart of a son. Come on, lift your hands on the count of three. One, two, three. Give him your heart of stone tonight, church, and say, give me the heart of a son. Give me the heart of family. Religion can't take me where I need to go. Only the new covenant gospel can take me where I need to go. My own striving can't take me where I need to go. Only the spirit of God inside of a new heart. Praise God. I bless you with the heart of sonship. Precious sons and daughters of the living God. Look, if these guys keep your hand up for a second. If somebody's got a hand, look, just put a hand on them around. Look, here, I I feel like there just needs to be a washing tonight. Okay, a washing. Just lay hands and just pray the washing of regeneration. Come on, put your hand up if you want prayer. God, we pray you would wash. If somebody's got a hand up around you, church, be the church. Put a hand on them. Lord, there's a washing tonight. God wants to wash you of your sin. He wants to wash you of your shame. He wants to wash you of your chains. He wants to wash you of your condemnation. Okay, he wants to wash you. This might be my favorite one. He wants to wash you of religion, of all you're trying to do good because you knew he was good, but you in the inside really weren't good. I got a good news for you today, church. Your heart is good, all right? Listen, you got a new heart. Your heart in Christ is good. Look, your flesh, we still got to deal with that, okay? But you got a new heart. That's the gospel, my friends. A heart that is meant to be free. Can I get some prayer team leaders up here? Look, I want to bring some prayer team leaders, life group leaders, PLT. Come on up front because we need to respond. We need to lean into this place. Look, praise God for all of you sons and daughters that got the heart of a son that got the heart of sonship today. Can we just praise God? Can we just say thank you, Jesus, for your new covenant, Lord? Thank you. Now look, if you're a son or a daughter, okay, you got the new hardware, okay? You're a son or daughter. I believe what God wants to do is restore to you the joy and power of your obedience today because it is the key to move the kingdom of God forward in your life. Some of you, you need to repent today. So I'm saying that as a father. Look, I know I haven't been here that long, okay? But can you trust me as a father? There's no condemnation in this place, okay? But the good father will bring correction because correction leads to righteousness and righteousness leads to life. Okay, look, if there is sin, my brothers and sisters, if there is sin in your life, okay, you got the new hardware, you got the new heart, but you're still dabbling in the darkness and you're entertaining something that is killing you, look, you need to repent. You need to turn away from it. Okay, it is not helping you. Okay, there's a couple couple things here. 
James 5.16, this is so key for us in a family. This is so key for us in a family because there's no condemnation in Christ. You know that. We've said that a few times, okay? Look, there is no condemnation, okay? But there's confession. There's conviction and there's confession. Those things are normal in the house of God. James 5.16 says this, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be what? Somebody come get some healing tonight. Listen, listen. Do you notice that it didn't say forgiven? Because your forgiveness is not in question. It was poured out on the cross when Jesus spilled his blood. You ain't got to confess anything to me to get forgiven, all right? But you got to confess everything to somebody to get healed, all right, church? That's what we call walking in the light. We will never be who we're called to be while we're following Adam and Eve hiding in the garden. We will never be who God made us to be. I'm going to say it about four times, so get ready. While we're following Adam and Eve hiding in the garden, church, come out of hiding, please. Come to one of these guys. I'm serious. You need to confess your sin to your brother. If God's got his finger on something, do not delay. Get out of your chair now. The enemy will try to convince you. No, it's not that bad man you don't have a problem look some of y'all just need to come repent quickly before the moment passes okay because look we will never be who God called us to be unless we're walking in the light with one another come there is no condemnation in this room church ain't nobody moving so that means either y'all are all walking in holiness or purity or that the fear of man is still holding you in your chair because you think that there's condemnation in this room but I already told you about a dozen times there is no condemnation in Christ there's freedom for you tonight in a new heart if you want to come get it Lord Jesus we thank you for the new covenant we thank you for the gospel we thank you God there's no condemnation in Christ Lord we thank you for your authority that is in this room to save to heal and to deliver Lord come Holy Spirit have your way in Jesus name we pray Amen and amen. Go ahead, come forward. These guys, everything is confidential. They love you. They believe the gospel. You can say anything to them. I promise you, it's probably not as bad as my testimony, okay? This is a safe place for you to walk in the light. In Jesus' name.